And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're getting in a podcast just in time for the weekend. And uh, amazingly enough, I mean, this is, you want to talk an off-season miracle, Ben Standig has agreed to not come on the podcast today, where he's he's actually going to take a week off. Who would have thought Ben has Ben is not going to work for one day? It's it, it, I don't know if you guys realize this, but that is an actual miracle. And an, another miracle is the fact that I was able to land such a prestigious and wonderfully well respected guest in his place. Uh, covers the Pistons for us at The Athletic and does an incredible job and is one of my favorite feature writers uh, in existence, James Edwards. Don't make me cry, man. I just, like, woke up and I'm I'm emotional. Um, that Thank you. You know I love you, Fred, and I would get on this anytime. Um, and how have we not made a urine joke with the Pistons and the Wizards? I just feel like between me and you, there should have been a urine joke at some point in our – and are now going on multiple year friendship. You know, I almost, I, at first I considered naming this podcast whiz after dark. And then, and I was like, man, that just sounds like a 2 AM. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I feel like everybody, I don't know if you can, I don't know if everybody can relate to whizzing after dark, but I'm sure it's happened to most people. Yeah, I mean, it's an, we could have an entire podcast about that moment where you're like, should I get out of bed right now? This alley, this alley next morning? to this pizza place, nobody's there. <laughs> That's where my mind went. This is, yeah. I was going to say, this is, this is the different uh, parts of life that we're in. Because you're at the alley at the pizza place, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in bed completely well, asleep. I'm, I'm, well, as you know, when we text, I usually... I, Stop respect. I actually am in bed most of the time. I fall asleep early, but when I hear whiz after dark, I am I immediately just think a drunk fan who grabbed a slice of pizza and was like, F it, man. There's an alley. Nobody's there. Let's go right behind this dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We got we got some wizard stuff to talk about. Um I I wanna I wanna start on Scott Brooks, because obviously that's the uh that's the 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 most newsworthy part of of you know kind of the Wizards' point in their season. We've got about six weeks until the draft. We've got what what is it? You know, maybe seven weeks or so until free agency begins, August second. We now know there's going to be a summer league, which is going to start in about two months. This next season is starting on time. It's a it's a real season. Uh, I guess we're gonna we got the Olympics coming up too. Yep. Um, but but for now, the, the pressing thing is Scott Brooks, where Brooks's contract is up, as every Wizards fan knows. I wrote uh, on Thursday morning, we're recording this thing Friday afternoon, so or I should really say Friday early evening, so we're getting it up right in time for, uh, for the weekend for you guys to listen. But 
as of the time of recording, you know, I wrote this on Thursday morning and I, and I wrote that I think there's positive momentum going Scott Brooks's way. And if you've listened to the podcast, you, you know, that's the tone Ben and I have spoken about. And I, I talked about, I mean, I don't think that should have been breaking news to anybody who regularly reads my, reads my work or, or, or listens to the podcast where Ben and I have been uh, pretty, I would say we, we've definitely leaned towards, uh, you know, a strong possibility of Brooks returning and, uh, you know, how, how much Westbrook wants him back and Brooks's relationships with people up and down the organization. Um James, I'm curious to get because Ben and I are so hyper focused on the Wizards all the time, mm-hmm. and and you're very keyed in on you cover the Pistons, but you're very keyed in on the entire league. And I'm curious to get your your outside perspective because the the feeling, and I'll speak for the impression I get from a lot of the fan base, the feeling is that with the Wizards fans that rotations and uh, you know, schemes and all that stuff were out of whack under Brooks. Mm-hmm. And the feeling in the organization, I think, is, well, everybody likes playing for him. Everybody likes working for and with him. Everybody played hard. You know, a Beal in his post-game speech after they lost game five to the 76ers when he was talking to the team, he talked about how this year was was particularly special to him because there was no drama. Right. It was just kind of everybody coming in, doing their job, and culture is a big thing the Wizards have focused on in their locker room and really up and down their organization, especially ever since Tommy Shepard took over, you know, a little more than a couple of years ago. Yeah. So there's a f- and that's something they value. So I I want to know where you where you stand on this. How would you make of this situation? Yeah. So there's a few things in my mind working for Brooks, like you said. Um, obviously their record second half of the season, um, very good. They went on a run. You mentioned no um, craziness going on in Washington, which I think is half. I mean, I think that's eighty percent of the battle in this in this league. Yeah, you want a great X's and O's coach. Yeah, you want a great schematics coach. Um, you want somebody who's going to be innovative. You want somebody who's going to try things. Um, you want somebody who's going to play the modern era of NBA basketball. And when you talk about Scott Brooks in that regard, that might not be your guy. Um, but with that said, and I think this is a, a big caveat working for him, players, like you said, Fred, from all accounts, like playing for him. And in a league where you hear about so many coaches, especially as of late, leaving their jobs or losing their jobs because they lost the locker room, um, I think that is important. And he's managing some interesting personalities, and he's done it well. Um, one of the most interesting personalities in the league, and Russell Westbrook loves him. I think that that says a lot. I, As you know, and it seems like from, from reading and following, like priority number one in Washington is making the playoffs. They did that. If you expected him to do more than that, then that's that's on you. Um, I, I think them making the playoffs was an achievement in itself. Kind of when you look at the roster, I don't love that roster. Uh, and he got them to play well, like I said, second half of the season and get into the playoffs, go through the play-in and all that stuff. So I think he has two big things working for him. I don't necessarily like that they don't shoot a lot of threes. Um it, what, what is, aren't they the, Don't they shoot the least in the league by a good margin, if I'm not mistaken? 
They were 29th in three-point rate. I don't know where they were. They were probably higher than 29th in total of threes because they play such a high pace. But they were 29th in three-point rate. Three-point rate, for those who don't know, is... is How many the, of your shots are threes? Yeah, how many threes? Yeah, exactly. What percentage of your shots are threes? They're like 32% of their shots were threes, which, as someone who grew up watching 90s and early 2000s basketball, is insanity to me that that would be good for 29th. But it is. <laughs> No, they don't take point. threes and they don't make threes. They were bottom 10 in percentage too. Which, yeah, like, so some of it, I think maybe him looking at his personnel and realizing maybe that's not the way to go. But I mean, you have Bradley Beal, Bertans was in and out of the lineup, but I mean, you, that's why he makes so much money. Um, there, the, the rest of the roster, you look and wonder where the three balls come from, but I don't know. I, I think he's done enough to, to keep his job. And I think first and foremost, what's working for him is, He's a likable guy. I mean, I've talked to him in scrums throughout the years, and I really like talking to Scott Brooks. Um, and as we've mentioned before, players like uh, seem to like playing for him. So I think that's uh, a big feather in his cap. I think that's important, especially in today's NBA. Um, if you're going to be able to get the most out of players, that's that's good. Now, could somebody else get the most out of them with schematics and all that stuff? Maybe, possibly. Uh, but as Mark Cuban recently said, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And I know there are people who are like, well, it's, it's Scott Brooks. Like it, it, it can't, some people might think it might not be that hard to improve. Well, the person you bring in for X's and O's might lose the locker room. So you have to kind of, it's a balancing act. Um, and I think he's done enough to at least maybe sign him to a two year deal. See what happens with this core. They finish the season strong, see where, see where they can go, see what they can add um, and go from there. But, Right now, if I had to, if I was in Ted Leonis's shoes or um, anybody in the front office, I would, I I would bring him back for another two years, just given what he's done with this roster and kind of the momentum they built to end the season. Yeah, a a, a few things. First off, I don't think the Wizards are going to do anything Bradley Beal really doesn't want. If Bradley Beal really wants Brooks back. Brooks will come back. If Bradley Beal really doesn't want Brooks back, then I don't think Brooks will be back. If Bradley Beal says, eh, I'm somewhere in the middle, then maybe it's more up to the front office. But if there's something Beal really wants or really doesn't want, then that is something that's going to seriously influence their decision-making. Just like if there's something Russell Westbrook really wants, it influences their decision-making. I think Beal influences the decision-making more than Westbrook. He's, he's 27. I think Westbrook had a better close to the season, and Westbrook won them a lot of games at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I think Beal is the superior player still. Uh, and he's also the upcoming free agent. Yeah. Who they really want to keep and who they really want to resign, and who has openly talked about. Go back and read that story I wrote with Jason Quick three months ago now, start of March. Jason Quick, who covers the Blazers for us. Uh, who, who, no offense, James, is a better feature writer than both of us. And working with him on that story was... Yeah, he's different. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's It was crazy seeing his writing process. He's a monster. I haven't done uh, anything with Quick. Like, I know Quick well and we talk. I haven't done a story with him. Maybe I need to make one up just to do that. You should. It's, it's an infuriating process because you feel inadequate. <laughs> he's been doing it a long because- time. I know he's a, he's incredible. He's a genius. He he's unbelievable. He's one of the best, if um, not the best. But yeah, no question. So anyway, go back, look at those quotes from Bradley Beal in there. He talks about how much he values kind of the power 
the organization has yielded to him over this time. They they are not going to do anything that will single-handedly drive him away. They're just not going to do that. Nor should they, by the way. Nor should any organization do that with their star player who they want to keep and is a free agent in a year if he wants to be. So I'm not arguing that is the way it shouldn't be. I'm just telling you that's that's the way it is, uh, and that's something that will factor into a Brooks decision. Uh, to be clear, by the way, I don't think – I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, he's – He's definitely he's definitely returning because the other thing that you have to consider, too, is like an organization can like a coach and want him back and a coach can want to be back. But there is, um, you know, there's a contract to negotiate, too, and things can come up in those sorts of negotiations, too. So I'm certainly not saying anything is inevitable or that anything is for sure happening. And and the other thing that I wanted to add for perspective to this conversation, too, Mm -hmm. I this tends to be, you know, you know, whenever you ask Russell Westbrook about, hey, why didn't you take any threes tonight? Or why did you take more threes than usual? Or, hey, you took 16 shots at the rim tonight. That's an incredible number. Why did you do that? You know, what were you seeing? Whatever. He, answer is always, you know, I just read and react. Right. Right? Every time. It's, and it's the cliche. I, here's my, this is a read and react league mm-hmm. in terms of the way front offices operate. And my analysis of the situation, I think everyone in the league is really spooked by what Indiana just did. Yeah. I don't think anybody, I mean, Indiana just had a well-respected, veteran, legitimately good coach in Nate Bjork, in wrong Nate, in Nate McMillan. There you go. Lead them to a 50-plus win pace. They would have won, they were on pace to win 51 games if last season had been 82 games. Yep. And they won 48 the year before. That's another organization, by the way, which just wants to be in the conversation. You can make the conversation as wide as you want as long as we get to be in it. And that's how that organization operates, similar to another one we're talking about. Yep. And I, they get rid of Nate McMillan, different circumstances than if the Wizards were to have moved on, if the Wizards were to move on from Brooks because – Part of Nate McMillan was that they they didn't feel like uh, he was enough of a player's coach, where Brooks is obviously very different stylistically in that sense. Mm -hmm. But they move on from McMillan. McMillan ends up taking over in Atlanta midway through the year. Everybody and their mother agrees he did a great job with Atlanta. Certainly didn't do a bad job completely. I mean, they completely turned around when he took over. Yeah, they're still going. No one even talks about, I mean, how quickly, Nate McMillan was an interim coach. And no one even mentions, oh, the He still you know, is. The Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's like, the Hawks need a coach. Everyone's like, yeah, obviously, Nate McMillan is their coach. Look at what happened. Yeah. This is not even a thing anyone talks about. They're still playing. People forget about Lloyd Pierce. And I, I think the fact that he's still the interim coach is interesting. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Right. But anyway, so it, you know, Indiana gets rid of McMillan and they, they take this risk. And it was. I don't want to say it was widely criticized when they got rid of McMillan, but it was it was moderately criticized. There was something a little bit louder than whispers and something a little quieter than regular speaking tones after the McMillan firing of like, well, the you know, Nate Bjorkman hire really better work out because they're taking a risk because on the whole, McMillan did a good job and he won a lot. Yeah, I mean, he won a lot more than he lost and they move on. And then Nate Bjorkran in one year, he had in, they had so many injuries and they had such bad luck this year, but he, he lost the locker room and he gets fired. And then to Kevin Pritchard, who runs the Pacers, to his, to his credit, 
Kevin Pritchard says in the press conference after the McMillan firing or the the Bjorkren hire firing after only one year, he he takes the full blame for it and says this was a front office failure and an organizational failure. He takes the blame for it. I I think people are like, oh my god, what a disaster, what a cautionary tale there. Yeah, and I I just this is a read and react league, and there's your read. You know, I just I think. That's a situation that probably spooks. And I'm not saying the Wizards are looking at the Pacers and being like, we're not doing that. I'm just providing out, you know, cautionary. The league looks at these cautionary tales and reacts to them the same way other people do, too. It's a big thing for me, knowing who you are as an organization in these decisions. Um, it, It goes to my I've had this conversation with a lot of people recently, like the championship or bust mentality. And not really, you shouldn't be okay with the middle. And by the, by the middle, I'm not, I don't necessarily mean squeezing into the playoffs and, and getting swept like what's happened in Detroit. What I mean is like, it's okay to be Portland. It's okay to be Indiana when you, with Nate McMillan. Um, because those markets, while Indiana, I guess you can look at it as a basketball market. I don't know if it's a Pacers market. Um, it, it, obviously, the history of basketball is big in Indiana. Um, but, like, there's organizations where they always – not always, but they tend to – and you should – I don't know. It's always hard to – maybe I sound crazy, um, but – you you always kind of shoot for the stars and as you should but if you have a good thing going and you're a, a mid market small market sometimes it's okay just to stay the course and 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 be a team that's always in the playoffs that might win a round that maybe on one year you break into the western conference finals you have entertaining players this is pretty much in portland's case like i'm describing portland to a t like i don't think anybody in I think everybody in Portland would take another year like this one than they would rebuilding and starting over. If I'm a fan in Portland, that's me. I don't know. Um, That's just how I would think. Like, oh, there's a chance with Dame that we get to a Western Conference Finals. There's a chance every single night our team could win. There's a. I know for a fact every time I go to the Moda Center, I'm going to have. I'm going to be entertained and have fun. Like there is a, a nice middle ground, and I think the Pacers. They lived in that middle ground with a pretty boring roster um, post-PG. And they found a way to have sustained success. And now as soon as they try to go for more, it, it falls apart. And I think the Wizards are in a similar situation because there's no history with the organization. When, when was their only title in the ABA in the 70s? Uh no the wizard the 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 bullets won in uh, in seventy eight seventy eight yeah with Wes Unseld and right so that's their history Kelvin Hayes and Bobby Dandridge and the crew that's their history we're going but they haven't won fifty games since nineteen seventy nine yes so they have a roster that's not necessarily how much better can this roster get with the big contracts they have um how much they're not going to have high draft picks I think. We've talked, Fred. You and I talk about um, the kind of uh, how should I put this? Um, the fan base and what they want, and what and what they look for from their team. And I think in Washington, it's similar to Indiana, where it should be 
entertain me, get in the playoffs, make me think. You know what the thing is? Do though? I sound crazy you know what, explaining you know this? Wi- no, you know what's wild about it? What? I don't know. And neither of us are Washingtonians, and obviously a lot of people from D.C. listen to this podcast. Yeah. But, like, I've lived in D.C. for years, and it is Washington freaking D.C., and it's it's always wild to me that the organization, when you talk about, operates like in Indiana, operates like a Portland. Uh, it's always crazy. Like Washington D.C. is not a small market. No, it's the capital of the freaking country. Right. It is. It is a large, diverse, beautiful, multicultural city. Love it. Best Chinese with, food in the NBA. It has a great food scene. Behind Toronto, I'm not from actually. D.C., but I, yeah. I love living in D.C. It's great. I love D.C. Like, it's a wonderful place to live. And I understand there are certain preferences uh, for when you live an NBA player life that don't translate to when you live my life to where my biggest worry is whether or not to get a pee at two in the morning. <laughs> I understand that. And I understand that, like, you know, my old washed ass and my preferences for cities is going to be different than, like, a, a 24-year-old self-made, uh, you know, real, ridiculously hyper-successful human being. Right. I realize that those preferences are going to be different. But but DC has a lot of that. And, like, the, the Wizards sh- should not be in this situation to where they... I mean, I don't really get how Boston is a big market, but Washington D.C. is not. Well, I think my, you know, I think my, um, I use the word market wrong sometimes. I guess what I mean is when I'm dis- describing the Wizards, is lack of history, lack of tradition, and I yeah, think what no, makes you're Boston right. a big market is the tradition, the history. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened with the Warriors. Exactly. Look what happened to the Warriors. The Warriors were, were, and, and, and Ethan Strauss mentioned this recently in a story, and it was very true. And, you know, the, the Oakland A's are the ultimate small market team to where there are movies made about how they operate in small markets. Mm-hmm. And the Golden State Warriors, before they moved to San Francisco even, and they're in the same freaking city as... As Oak as the Oakland A's, I mean they're in the same parking lot right. that arena, and and they're all of a sudden a big market team because they start winning like absolute madmen. And you're right, so much of it has to do with a hyper amount of success. But I don't know if you need like I guess there's a chicken or egg conversation to be had here because does the success start coming before you have to start operating like in a big market team or do you start operating like a big market team so that the success comes? I think it's, I think it's the first, like I think you have to have that breakthrough um, to get yourself in the door. I I just think that's what, like I can't really think and if anybody can think of one, it's going to be Fred, any team that, operated tried to operate like a big market that wasn't one that it worked out for like i mean you look at detroit's history before isaiah thomas they were bad there was no history then they get isaiah and the bad boys and then they're on a terrific run and then it's bad for a couple years and then they luck up and get a bunch of cast offs from other places 
and they build Bad Boys 2.0 and sell out for six years straight and have the best uh, sellout rate in the NBA and Eastern Conference Finals every year, get a title, have a chance at two, and now it's it's been down for a couple of years. So it's like, and in none of those instances instances did they operate like a big market. It just they did small market team building that worked. I can't think of kind of a small to mid market that tried to anytime Detroit's tried to throw money at guys and, and, and win through free agency, it's backfired. You overpay the wrong guys. Um, you have to, I, I just think you have to build through the draft in those instances. Um, I mean, I feel like that's every single if we went down the line, that's probably how every single story you look at Portland, you look at Golden State, um, draft, draft. Who else can we I mean Oh yeah, I mean the draft the San draft Antonio yeah, I mean that's that's basically essential to to building up anything. I'm not I'm not arguing, I'm not arguing otherwise. But I'm 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 referring more to the the greater the greater plan of breaking down breaking things down and yeah. building up through with a with the goal of really greatness as opposed to the let's be in the conversation sort of mentality and and um, i love the i love bradley bill you know this i think i'm in the camp of the Wizards should trade him like i i just think this i just think this team is kind of capped out already like i don't i to me the best that they could do is win a series this specific team and i don't know their cap situation as well as you but i know Beal, Westbrook, and Bertans make a lot of money, and I can't imagine a world in which they can add somebody super significant. And I think it's just run its course. And I think I would start over from ground one with having a, the type of trade chip you have. Um, you see, I, I think Russell got better. I don't know if necessarily he's. I think he's his contract obviously is tough to move, but is it impossible to mo- impossible to move? Um, I don't know. And you see how Chris Paul, I think you had a great tweet a couple days ago. Like, remember how immovable Chris Paul's contract was? Well, look at him now. You know how many teams in the league, I think, would trade for Chris Paul? Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the Chris Paul thing is amazing because it's and not comparing his how he's playing to how Russ played, but Russ has been really was really really good for about thirty to forty games here to end the year. Yeah, the Chris the Chris Paul thing is incredible, and I'm not cryptically talking about Russ through Chris Paul. I'm just talking about Chris Paul now. But the Chris the Chris Paul thing is amazing because it's an incredible case study in how you know sometimes I think when we talk about front office building, uh, and when I say we, I, I really mean the media. So many people, not everyone, but a lot of people in the media, we become so obsessed with value contracts and everything has to be a value contract. And James, I know that you have covered quotes like the one I'm about to say before, because I've heard Stan Van Gundy make this point. (laughs) And while I don't agree with the moves that he made and the way that he implemented this strategy in Detroit, and and certainly the people in Detroit didn't agree either because he's not in Detroit anymore. But, uh, you know, he made this point, which, which on the surface I agree with people become so, obsessed with high value contracts that they don't put the contracts in proper context. And, you know, yeah, Chris Paul is, is on a max contract and a super max contract. Not technically he's on 35% max contract, which is the highest max contract you can be on. He's making as much money as anybody in the league can possibly make. And he's, probably no longer a top 10 player uh he's certainly not at the level of kevin durant no who is making that money but still a top 20 25 player every it's not even that he's a top 20 top 25 player because again we're looking at that in the vacuum like let's just look at it in the real world circumstances mm-hmm. every single team that has ever traded for him the clippers yep. the rockets the thunder and the Suns, all four of them got better, and would do it again. Yep. The Rockets came twenty-seven consecutive missed threes away from beating the unbeatable Warriors. Yep. Because they had Chris Paul, and then they ended up having to make to trade him, but they would do that deal and bring him back again because they had a chance, and that's what they were trying to do. Lord knows the Thunder would do it again. Lord knows the Suns would do it again. Mm-hmm. The Suns are about to do it again. <laughs> yeah, they're about to, they're about to get him a new contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so much of this is is context. Anyway, this has nothing to do with the Wizards. Well, it does. It does a little bit because I've had people in front offices talk to me about Russ and why they look at his contract. They also look at how he can impact winning, and I think he showed this year he still does that. And this goes back to my point that I do think the Wizards, as some again, I'm an outside observer on this. I understand it's hard to get a guy like Bradley Beal and, and keep him. But I just think financially this team is kind of strapped and there's a ceiling. And like I even though I feel like I'm contradicting myself because I said it's okay to be a fun competitive team that doesn't win it. I don't know if the Warriors I'm sorry, the Wizards, excuse me, uh, Wizards fans. I don't know if the Wizards get to that realm where it's like consistent enough. Um, But I'm just, I say that to say, I I, I always, for the last year or two, I thought they should have, they should trade Beal while they can um, and see if somebody really wants Russ because I think Russ has shown he can still play. And I could see a world in which, 
he's still semi-valuable as his contract gets toward the end. I think Russ will be tough to trade with two years left. Fair. I think as I just, I, I mean, Beal, you Beal, you get a haul. Blake obviously. Griffin. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's I mean, the different. There's a difference between Russ and Blake for sure because Russ is still like, Russ is still a net positive. Yes, you know, Blake, Blake is a net positive now. As the yeah, <laughs> as the fourth and as the fifth man, sixth man on a great team. Right. Also, as somebody, I don't know, was, I mean, he just looked like a different human being in Detroit than he does in Brooklyn now. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, can you watch a Nets game at this point without them mentioning 17 times that Blake Griffin didn't dunk in Detroit, but has dunked a lot in Brooklyn? That stuff is like Pistons fans are getting pissed. Uh, Because I don't, people don't understand, they don't care to understand, or they know it, they care to just get the jokes off. Part of the reason Blake didn't dunk for a long time is because he missed several months. Um, he was out. So, like, people, when they talk about the days he'd gone without a dunk, well, he wasn't on the floor for a lot of those days. Um, secondly, in Detroit, uh, he was a 1A option, 1B option when Jeremy Grant got there to start this year, and that's just not who Blake is anymore um, with a bunch of young guys. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to move and create – separation and create driving lanes to try to dunk um and two the pistons were able to get on with the rebuild if they keep blake around uh you don't have sadiq bay starting and making the all rookie team which you will do uh you don't have you, you might not have the second worst record in the nba um and have a chance to get the number one pick and blake now has a chance to get a championship like he definitely does look a lot better but you have to like put it into context like he's the sixth seventh guy on that team and he looks pretty good but it's a much different situation it's not like he people think he played dead in Detroit to get out that's not really I don't he was diving on the floor in Detroit all the way up until they bought him out I voted for Sadiq Bay for all rookie did you yes I did I put two pistons on all rookie Isaiah as well I put Isaiah Stewart first team yeah, I, th- I, th- I know some people weren't – they's like, I'm not putting both Pistons on. They've asked me, like, which one should I – if I'm putting one on the first team, which one? I was like, well, Sadiq has the accolades, uh, so I think you would be safe going with that. But Isaiah is the one that I think has some potential to be something more than uh, meets the eye. He's a monster. Monster. He, he is yeah. ginormous. You realize this is like – this is baby fat Isaiah Stewart. Right. Yeah, like he has This yeah. is him when he's 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 still like he, he was a teenager a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's not This is yeah. before he's added his his old man strength. Yeah. He's 19. Oh right, he's 19. He's still a teenager. Yeah. He's absolutely like that kid. I I, enjoy, I I tell people all the time you would get enjoyment if there was a camera just on Isaiah Stewart for forty-eight for all forty-eight minutes of a game he's in, you just watched Isaiah Stewart for the whole game on the bench, on the floor. He's just he. he there's guys that play hard, uh, and Russ is in the, I think the Isaiah category, but Isaiah brings it more defensively. Isaiah just plays like it, it's a, a work rate that's almost incomparable to anybody you've seen. It's it's very unique. He's going to be a good player. I think so, too. Yeah, he's going to be good. Pistons actually, for all the criticism of their 
of their offseason with the Mason Plumlee contract and the Okafor contract and whatnot. They did quite well in the draft. They did. Um, and I think Mason's a Mason had a pretty good year. Um, and I, I don't think like I think you could move him, uh, which I think could be a possibility given how kind of rapid Isaiah's development went. But yeah, Pistons fans right now are kind of the butt of jokes because you look at the playoffs. Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin. But you have to remember, folks, um, all of those guys were asked to be like option one or two on it on the on the Pistons team. And now they're all option four, five, six on their current teams. So uh yeah, make just use context when you before you get your jokes off. I, it's funny and I get it, but like Reggie Jackson was the number one option in Detroit. Now he is playing off Kawhi and PG. There's going to be a lot more open shots in those scenarios. Well, I can't wait until the 2028 playoffs when Saban Lee is leading the <laughs> Lakers to a title. <laughs> you love your Saban Lee. I love Saban Lee is it's a great is kind of it's a great name, and and I kind of like Saban Lee. Very ishy. He's very ishy. Who's our favorite person on the earth? We share. Yeah, he's very ishy. We're not going to. I feel like every time Ish I'm Smith, on the show, which was after do. Dark Guest, Ish Smith. He was. That's right. Because Ish will do. We're not. I feel like every time we're on the pod, we do an Ish thing. Uh, we're not doing it. Ish, shout to you, Ish, if you're listening. Uh, James, you have anything to plug to my listeners before we wrap? Anything coming out? Anything you're working on? Um, if you're familiar with Isaiah Stewart and you like him or liked him coming into the draft or have watched him play at all and you're a fan. I did a Q&A with him the other day. That was pretty good. Um, you can check that out. What do I – today I did a big board, which today is Friday, so that's up. And then Monday, myself, John Hollinger, and Kelly Eco, who covers the Rockets, kind of did like a, a big picture offseason draft roundtable on the two teams with the worst records in the NBA. Great. Well, go check that out. James does amazing work, like I said. If you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can easily sign up, read James's work, read my work, read everybody else's work, not just NBA, but everything else. Get a full subscription. If you go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, you can sign up for $3.99 a month. And like I said, that gets you a full subscription. Gets you everything. One less beer a month. Be- so you're getting a subscription and you're not peeing in alleys. <laughs> And you'll be able to afford your legal fees if you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess you won't because you're paying $4 more. But hopefully that won't dig into your legal fees. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. That's a full subscription. Gets you everything. NBA, MLB, NFL, everything else. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark if you enjoy the podcast. If you consider yourself a huge Wizards After Dark fan, you can go on iTunes, you can give us five stars, you can leave a written review which always helps a lot. I will be back with a new episode sometime next week and like I said, uh, just if you missed last week's episode and you missed just kind of the plan going forward, I'm going to be doing one episode a week or so. Maybe I'll churn out two some weeks and if there's major news obviously I'll come back for something like that uh, and just talking wizard stuff. The draft is in six weeks, so I'll be doing probably a, a good number of draft preview prod podcasts, free agency preview podcasts, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to have uh, Andrew Schlecht and Michele Berra on. And if you were listening last off season, if you're that long time of a listener to the podcast, you might remember the podcast I did with Andrew and Michele, where we we pick like two or three prospects who are in the Wizards draft range and we discuss about and 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 
we discuss them and and kind of compare and contrast all those guys and Andrew and Michele are both just awesome and I thought those podcasts were really fun and they always had a really great reaction so we're probably going to do a few more of those I'm going to make them come on with me and we'll do that some more standing pods but lots more to come and uh lots more wizard stuff as well I'm going to have a couple pieces up next week you can read that mailbag that I referenced at the start of the podcast up on the athletic DC that went up Thursday morning talked about Brooks talked about Bradley Beal extension stuff uh, and hypothetical fake trades, all that fun stuff. So go check that out. I'll be back next week. He's, he's coming back then. next week with Michael Jordan. Bye, guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.